Hello, celestial citizens. I'm Britt Duffy Adkins, and welcome to Continuum. The universe is expanding, and so is the space industry. With all the new developments, announcements, and launches, it can be a lot to keep up with. So, we're here to help. Continuum is a news outlet that's making space news relevant for the next generation and boldly challenging the status quo. Whether it's new discoveries and developments in technology or how what we're doing in space affects us here on Earth, we'll cover it all. You can find our stories on our website, continuum-hq.com, and in our Substack newsletter, which comes out every other week. Not only does our newsletter include links to our original features, it also contains a rundown of some of the top headlines from the week, as well as recommended space reads from around the web. And if you want to listen to Continuum Podcast as soon as it hits the airwaves, then you'll want to become a paid subscriber to gain access. For just $6 a month, you can get exclusive space content curated and sent straight to your inbox and also help support the work of our team of creatives. You can find links to our website and how to subscribe to our newsletter in the episode description. So whether you're a space enthusiast or just starting to look up at the stars, We'll take the highlights from the week and share them for you here. We're the outlet providing space news for everyone. So without further ado, here's Continuum. This week, we are joined by Macley Carroll. McLee is a legislative analyst for the New Mexico Senate and the government affairs manager for Warp Space. He's also the mentorship coordinator for the Space Corps Foundation and actively working to bring awareness to the Caribbean Space Society. McLee, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for co-hosting with me. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, Brett. Love it. Continuum, my first time. I'm excited to be a part of this. First and probably not last. Hopefully yeah. not last. Definitely, Definitely not last. Definitely not right? last. We're continuing the continuum. Definitely not last. And of course, Megley, followers of Celestial Citizen Podcast, or subscribers rather, gosh, mixing my social media platforms here. But yeah, subscribers of Celestial Citizen Podcast may remember that Megley was on in season one of Celestial Citizen Podcast. You'll definitely want to check out our conversation from back then as well. So, Meckley, we've got a lot to talk about here today. First up, I guess, on my list is this news just broke pretty recently as of the time of this recording, but China is expanding its space station project. They just announced this recently, and they are now going from having a space station in a T-shape to more of an X-shape, and will be bringing on more modules to their space station What are your thoughts on this? Do you think that the broader space community is going to get kind of fired up by this announcement? For sure. They're definitely going to do it. I mean, before we had the space race, now we're having a space station race. It's competition, right? Like the ISS is about to retire. So now we have this. I know Axiom is developing their space station. So it's good, you know, definitely get people going. Yeah, I mean, I'm very intrigued to follow this race. I will say, and I've said this before on this podcast, I'm a little concerned about geopolitical tensions sort of escalating as a result of the U.S. and China being in this sort of space race with each other. But that being said, I am very just interested and excited about the development of orbital space stations in general. 
I was very sad, you know, to hear and, and learn of when, you know, the International Space Station announced that it would be retiring. So definitely seeing that we're not losing an opportunity to send humans to space and be able to complete research is definitely exciting. I was reading about it earlier, too. China wants to make this an international space station. And, you know, with geopolitical tensions coming into play, that's never like stopped the space community from working together. You know, we have a tense relationship with Russia, but like we've been able to work in space with them for the longest time. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty hopeful. I'm uh, definitely an optimist by nature. So maybe that's why I'm biased, but I'm definitely hopeful for this new uh, space station. Yeah, well, and it's interesting you bring that up because, of course, you know, China has announced that they plan to invite other astronauts there from other countries as well. The European Space Agency had planned to send some of its astronauts to Tiangong, but later announced that it didn't have the budget or the political green light to do so. So I think it's kind of interesting because I think we're already starting to see some party lines, some alliances kind of being drawn here. Or, I mean, I don't know, maybe ESA just truly didn't have the budget. I'm not sure. I think it was probably more a political decision than anything else, though. So it is going to be kind of interesting to see who actually ends up visiting this space station. Because from where I sit today, I mean, it is hard to imagine. I mean, I know what you're saying is that people have historically found ways to work together in space. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like we might be pushing up against what people are willing to do to cooperate in space here. I don't think we're going to see any U.S. astronauts go there. And I don't think we're really going to see very many allies of the U.S. going and visiting the China space station. So Time will tell, I guess. Time will tell. Time will tell. And yeah, that's real unfortunate because we've definitely had Chinese astronauts on the ISS. And yeah, it's interesting, this term political green light that they didn't get. Like, what does that, what does that mean? Like, yeah. From what who? Is, like, from who? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I think we know. We know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting. And, you know, you brought up another good point, which kind of leads me into another one of the stories that I wanted to highlight that caught my eye this week, which is the Crew-6 launch between NASA and SpaceX. This was postponed, might be happening later this week or later this week as of the time of the recording. So we'll see. But the interesting thing here is that this was actually not only going to be a launch of a capsule containing two U.S. astronauts, but also a UAE crewmate, and a Russian cosmonaut. So to your point, obviously, there's some tense relationships with Russia right now, and yet here we still have a mission where we're going to be launching a cosmonaut to the ISS. So kind of interesting. Did that crew selection surprise you at all? No, I mean, there was also an astronaut from the UAE, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's what, what I thought was pretty cool. And I think it's only the second person from the UAE who was supposed to go to space. And that's why I was disappointed by the fact that it got delayed, but, you know, it'll happen again. I have a question for you. Do you think it's bad for business for SpaceX since they're uh, to cancel it last second like that? Or is this nature of the industry? I guess one of the positives for SpaceX, right, is that it's not like a publicly traded company. So I feel like for others that are publicly traded, if they have any sort of delays or issues or failures, it's like they just, their stocks get decimated as a result of that news. For SpaceX, I just don't know what will really impact SpaceX. They have such a huge, like, cult fan following. They have these big, and we've talked about this on the podcast as well, 
but they have these big NASA DOD contracts. I mean, I don't think it really impacts them a ton. What I think would impact them a great deal is obviously if they had any sort of issues, which would result in loss of human life. I mean, that would be massive. So obviously, in these situations, I think people inside the space industry know that delays are just, they're the name of the game. I do think they are frustrating to people in the kind of more broadly outside of the space industry, though, because all they hear is like delay, 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 and they don't necessarily understand like what drives that. So I guess like long-winded answer to your question, but I think it probably confuses the public. But I think that for me, like I almost breathe a sigh of relief where I'm like, oh, okay, like probably that was the right choice to make. And since we actually have humans on board this capsule that's being launched, like even more important, right, that we don't take any unnecessary risks. That's the top priority, you know, is making sure everyone's safe. Better safe than sorry, yeah. Like I used to say, uh, safety second, danger first. Oops, I mean the opposite way. (laughs) Safety first. Yes, yeah. No. Depending who you are. Exactly. (laughs) And like, you know, I mean, the interesting thing about this one is so, yeah, it was scheduled for Monday, Monday, which was February 27th. And now they've rescheduled. I think they're trying for maybe Thursday, which is tomorrow, March 2nd, right? Potentially could could happen by, by the time we even publish this. So we'll see. But fingers crossed for a, a successful launch. Obviously, we wish them all the best. All right, McLee, next topic I wanted to chat about, which I thought this was really interesting that this came up. There were all these headlines and articles that came out about ESA announcing that they were launching an initiative because they feel like we need a lunar time zone. Interesting because I know our friends over at Open Lunar Foundation have actually posted a lot of blogs and initial research because they've also been embarking on trying to figure this out as well. So yeah, what are what are your thoughts on this? Do we need a lunar time zone? And, you know, I guess maybe we should also explain to people that part of the reason why this is even being talked about right now is because it's very hard to synchronize activity on the lunar surface with all the different missions being planned, with all the different hardware that's going to be used on the surface. It's very hard to kind of synchronize everything if you're not using the same time zone. And even if you link it back to Earth, there's actually, because of the changes in gravity on the lunar surface, it's like not as easy as you would think. So this actually is a big question and it's a big policy question too of like who gets to decide, who gets to manage this time zone and pick it and all these things. And Yeah, so like you said earlier, I'm currently working for the Senate and one of the bills now, like a few states southwest, is um, getting rid of daylight savings time, right? So you could just have one standard time zone. So like, what is time? Do you really need a? Do <laughs> what we really is need time? to bring that? Right? Yeah. Do we need to bring that to the moon? Yeah. But yeah, no. I mean, I understand what you're saying, though. It probably is really important to have that synchronization in the beginning. Mm-hmm. All the other countries and all the projects that are going to the moon. Mm-hmm. So you need something, some interoperability where yeah. things just fit in together. I love how you just summed it up there. Like, what even is time? I mean, this is all so relative. Like, are we going to go there? There's a little bit of a pun there, I guess. But like time truly is relative. And so like trying to figure out how to do this in a way that makes sense is is really going to be quite tricky. But I love that this is like getting some broad attention, getting in the headlines here. And yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how this all comes together. Hopefully ESA, Open Lunar, some other folks can help figure this out. 
and we can get moving on it because it kind of feels like maybe we should have already figured this out. I don't know. I mean, we're already planning all these different missions. There's a ton of commercial activity that's planned for the lunar surface in pretty short order. So feels like we need to figure this one out pretty soon. But yeah, it definitely feels like a benefit to all. And I don't know about you, Meckley, but like, I might just choose to live my life on a lunar time zone. Who knows? <laughs> if there's any time zone to do it, yeah, why not? I'm just going to put it in my calendly. I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> only available at like peak lunar time zones, folks. Okay. Moving on from that one. And actually, since we've reached the midpoint of our headlines that Meckley and I are going to discuss today, I'm going to take a quick break to throw to a message from one of our sponsors this season. We are currently witnessing the birth of a robust, sustainable economy within cislunar space. What is cislunar space? Well, it's the part of space that ranges from low Earth orbit out to geostationary orbit and then beyond toward the moon's surface. This cislunar economy will involve a much more interconnected paradigm for space development. For a snapshot and user guide to the players and opportunities ahead, New Space Global, a multiverse media property, has produced a report titled Cislunar Market Opportunities. To get your copy, please go to cislunar.report and use coupon code CITIZEN10 for 10% off a single user license. Thank you again to Multiverse Media for sponsoring Celestial Citizen this year. Now, back to the show. All right, so Mech Lee, I want to jump into another headline for this week that I'm pretty excited about, which is that Relativity is set to launch the world's first 3D printed rocket, which could happen as soon as March 8th. I'm really excited about this because one of the things that excites me the most is when there's companies in the space industry that are really focused on truly like innovating and disrupting things and like changing the normal process. With relativity, like for sure. I mean, the fact that they decided to become a company that was going to not only change like the manufacturing process by 3D printing their rockets, but then like also try to reach orbital launch. I think that's like amazing. So I'm really excited for this and it would truly be very like history making. So I'm excited to watch that launch. But what about you? Are you excited about this? Are you nervous about the launch? What are your thoughts? Super excited. This might be the coolest thing I've ever heard, a 3D printed rocket. <laughs> yeah. Like, I remember thinking that 3D printing was like the future a couple of years ago. I actually got stock in a company called Organivo that was 3D printing mm. human organs. Oh, right? <laughs> like, oh my. Like, yeah. I, they've done a couple examples, but I don't know if they've, they've actually nailed that down. Mm-hmm. But like a rocket, that's next level. Yeah. That's literally next level. Yeah. Are you familiar with Made in Space? Yeah. I know they were doing mm-hmm. 3D printing at a while, for a while. Yeah. And of course, there's also Icon, which I just recently had Melody Ashar on Celestial Citizen Podcast. And we were talking about 3D printing habitats in space as well as launch pads and things like that. And they have 3D printed a Mars analog habitat for NASA as well, Chapia. So Really, yeah. I mean, I think 3D printing is super cool, super exciting technology. 
And of course, in space, I mean, super helpful, right? I mean, to be able to theoretically in the future 3D print things just allows us to have a little bit less dependency on launching everything from Earth, which is better for everyone, better for the environment, better for survivability and whatnot. And, you know, the other exciting thing is that this would really just be, I think, the beginning for relativity space. They've got their eyes set on going to Mars at some point. So I'm just excited to see what comes out of this company for sure. And I hope that they have a successful launch of Terran 1 is what the rocket is called. And the mission they named Good Luck Have Fun. And I think that that's Hell yeah. yeah, that's real fun. Mm-hmm. And they've got their FAA launch license. They are ready to go. I point this out because... SpaceX is also planning to potentially launch Starship in March, but they don't have their FAA license yet. So feels like we'll probably see this uh, relativity launch happen before Starship. What do you think? It's possible, probably. I was just thinking, I was like, you know, it's pretty hard to get an FAA license. And the fact that they got it for a 3D printed rocket is kind of, yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of wild. Yeah. And I wonder, I think if I remember correctly, the reason why SpaceX gets into a lot of trouble with getting the FAA license is from where they're launching from. I believe it's also related to like environmental concerns and um, impacts related to the launch. You're right to point that out because Starship would be launching out of Texas, but Terran 1 would be launching out of Launch Complex 16 at Cape Canaveral. So very exciting, very historic location. And again, that's going to happen March 8th, potentially, between 1 and 4 p.m. Eastern. Of course, folks, these things move around a lot. So probably want to check on Twitter to get the latest. This is going to be released in two days' time. So things could change. So do you think, Meckley, do you think Starship is going to launch in March? Or do you think that that's going to get pushed back? Yeah, I, like, I wouldn't uh, hold my breath for it, to be honest. <laughs> Remember all the Starship attempts initially like two years ago? Mm-hmm. It takes time to do something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be happy for them to launch in March, but they have to get their license. And like you were saying too, the environmental aspects of it, that might be a reason why they don't um, have their license yet. And I'm wondering, are these 3D printed rockets, are they better for the environment? Like in terms of like the plume they put out? I, you know, I don't know. That would be interesting to look into because I do have a lot of concerns about as we're having all these increased frequency of launches and things like that. I am concerned about the fact that that's going to have a pretty big environmental impact. And we're already seeing the effects of that in our ozone layer. So if you depending on which papers you read. So, I mean, I think that's a really valid point. And I, of course, would love to see people figure out greener, more sustainable launch. I hope that's like the next real wave of innovation. But hey, 3D printed rockets, pretty cool. So, you know, I mean, if we're going to test out a new technology, I mean, that's definitely an interesting one. I think some of the, I don't know, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but some of the launch that happens when it's just like, okay, more of the same, like not reusable rockets kind of single, like that's just to me, It's kind of like a little less exciting in the sense that it feels like, okay, is this really worth, you know, the environmental impact? Of course, they're also launching important payloads. So eh. as with everything, there's pros and cons, but we should definitely be exploring that and making sure that we're tracking the environmental impact. I think that's super important. And I'm guessing that the 3D printed rockets will be reusable. So in the article I'm looking at right now, it says Terran 1, while designed to serve the small SAP market, is also a technology pathfinder for the larger, fully reusable Terran R rocket that is also being developed. So it looks like Terran 1, not fully reusable, but it is like in the roadmap to the fully reusable Terran R rocket. 
So, hey, I mean, they're working towards it. So that's exciting. Good luck. Have fun. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Couldn't have said it any better myself. All right. Let's see here. Are there any other big headlines or news stories that you wanted to cover, Meckley? I know that you had a few that you had um, picked out for the week. Yeah, I know um, Virgin Galactic is actually having their launch coming up soon from the spaceport. And, you know, we were talking about how when uh, a launch gets scrubbed, it does, like, especially if you're a public company, it's not really a good look. So, you know, I'm rooting for Virgin Galactic. Definitely have been rooting for them. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason why I'm in New Mexico, actually, is because of Virgin Galactic indirectly. So hopefully they make it. What are your thoughts on that? Virgin Galactic's next flight. Is it finally their time, their time to shine? Gosh, you know, I don't know. I hope so. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I mean, I think you already said this, but I obviously want everybody to find success, especially when it comes to something as hard as space flight. So I definitely wish them all the best. And I, I, I will not even attempt to sit here and talk about whether or not I think that they are ready or not ready because I'm just not knee deep in that. Not trying to make any assessments on it, just wish them the best and we'll see what happens. But I do hope that in general, like these companies really, I don't know, take heed to like time it right and like make sure they're ready before they they move forward. And, you know, I'm sure they're doing all that kind of stuff. But obviously, Virgin has kind of struggled a little bit. So we'll see what happens. I mean, they have customers lined up, like people actually paid already for these flights. So I'm pretty sure they're feeling the pressure from their paying customers but do we have any idea how many people are like waiting like how many customers have already like paid and and booked seats 800 so if they get this off though this will change the future literally change the future of the space industry yeah yeah 800 more people to add yeah wow that's wild well we certainly will see yeah that's interesting so let me see some other topics i had there was the un subcommittee recently on for Uncopus, mm, and they're talking, it yeah. was a scientific and technical subcommittee. Yeah. This happens once every year. And the uh, International Astronautical Union proposed making a working group so they could address all the um, mega constellations being put up because, you know, there's been a lot of complaints about, for astronomers at least, you mm-hmm. know, not being able to get the image of the dark sky, as they call it. Yeah. You know? So I was wondering if politics can save it. Like, do you think having the UN step in and make a working group? can actually help preserve our dark skies? Or should the companies just do it themselves? Or So this is a tricky one. This is a tricky one because we were obviously already seeing this emerging as a problem here for a while. Astronomers had kind of been raising the alarm bells around all the different satellite constellations and things like that. And the impacts that it's really having. I was also listening to somebody talk about how like, you know, think about how much money we're investing in observation and especially like ground-based observation that is now being impacted by these satellites. And we're just like not necessarily getting as much out of them as maybe we thought we might have been able to. And that might change over time too, where it could get worse and worse and is likely to do so. So I think that this is an interesting problem. However, like to answer your question on the politics side of it, like I don't know because right now who in this current political environment and with everything going on with Russia and Ukraine, like who is really going to sign up for saying, okay, you know, we're going to put limitations on what can get launched into space because a lot of, for instance, Starlink now found a lot of applications in 
situations of political distress or, you know, what's going on with Ukraine and kind of them relying upon Starlink to a great extent. Like, I just don't know that politically right now is the time that this is going to get broad support, which is sad to say because it's an important topic. But there's just so many different things going on all at once that I think it's going to be really hard for everybody to come to the table and agree on exactly what the appropriate next steps are. But I really hate to see the impact that this is going to have on astronomy. I think it's going to be a big one. Yeah, no, definitely be a big one. And I know you had, you had mentioned Starlink before. Um, I was reading, they actually paint the satellites now with like a reflective or a less reflective light for astronomers. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not politics, but maybe it's just companies being more conscious of things like that. Yeah. Although I heard that even with that, though, it's not really like a full solution. It might help like marginally. But so there's definitely like more work to be done to figure this out. And maybe this will finally be the thing to your point, like if it is going to be like private sector solutions, maybe this will finally be like a driver to actually get people to kind of change the lifetimes of some of these satellites or deorbit them more quickly. You know, I don't know. And again, it depending on who the actor is, right? The reaction and response is going to be very, very different. Well, the thing about this group is they have three years to study this. So we'll see what happens before yeah. they make guidelines. Yeah. But you know, the thing with the space industry, three years in the space industry isn't like three years down here, right? Mm-hmm. So like a lot can happen in three years. And I mean, I should say, like, I really do hope that this working group is like find success and is able to move forward and But I just think right now it's probably like a very difficult climate in which to be like trying to do this. But yeah, obviously wish them all the best and and hope we can find a nice solution here that kind of helps all the different parties and interests involved. And of course, I mean, we should mention too, this is not just the astronomy economy. I mean, dark skies are also culturally very significant and important and especially to indigenous communities and also just like everyday people like you and me that, you know, want to still, you know, be able to stargaze from time to time, right? These are like important issues on a societal level too. So we'll see, I guess. But all right, Meckley, I think we've kind of run up on our time here for news headlines. There's so much going on in the space community. And folks, I will give a shameless plug here for Continuum Newsletter, which of course will cover all of this and a ton more. So if you're looking to stay up to date with everything going on, more than we could possibly talk about here on this podcast. So definitely check out Continuum Newsletter, which comes out every other week. We'll be super stoked if you'll also become a paid subscriber, which will, of course, give you instant access to this podcast when it comes out as well. I'm also going to take a quick little break here before we get into what I think is the most fun segment on this show to hear from one of our other sponsors this year. This episode of Celestial Citizen Podcast is in part sponsored by the Colorado School of Mines Space Resources Program. This first-of-its-kind interdisciplinary program offers certificate, Master of Science, and PhD degrees for professionals around the world interested in the emerging field of extraterrestrial resources. The program focuses on developing core knowledge and design practices for effective and responsible identification, extraction, and use of resources in the solar system to enhance space exploration and enable the new space economy. To learn more about the MINES Space Resources Program, educational opportunities, and research activities, check out its webpage at space.mines.edu. Thank you again to the Colorado School of Mines Space Resources Program for your sponsorship this year. 
So, Mike Lee, we're back, and we are going to be integrating ChatGPT into this podcast. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready as I can be. ChatGPT scares me. <laughs> All right. So I have this like ongoing fascination with ChatGPT and people who have listened to previous episodes of Continuum podcast have seen I've kind of played around with this a bit. Today, I prompted ChatGPT to give us some fun either or questions that we could talk about here on the show. These are some of the ones that I got. So I'm just going to run down this list. I think they're kind of interesting. And yeah, I hope you enjoy these hypotheticals as much as I did. Okay. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life on a space mission, would you choose astronaut ice cream or freeze-dried pizza? Oh, I think astronaut ice cream. I remember trying some at the Space Symposium last year. It was really like, it was gourmet astronaut ice cream. Nice. Yeah, if they do it right, it could hit. Yeah. What about you? I mean, I'd like to say ice cream, but I feel like I'd go with pizza, maybe only because it's just like, that's a long time. And I feel like that could be a lot of sugar over the course of your life. You know what I mean? Like, not that pizza's healthy, really, but it's like, maybe like marginally better. I don't know. Because if it's like a survival thing, yeah. Like, maybe you could survive longer on pizza than ice cream. That's true. Carbs. Are there um, toppings on this pizza? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, in my head, there were, like, there was maybe some pepperoni, but like, yeah, that's a good point. That does change things. ChatGPT, just not thinking of everything. So, okay. Next one. If you could only listen to one song while floating in space, would you choose David Bowie's Space Oddity or Elton John's Rocket Man? Oh, wow. That's a good Mm -hmm. one. I think Rocket Man. Like, first I wanted to say David Bowie, but like, Rocket Man, the highs and lows of the song, like, it's after Rocket Man. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I like it. Yeah. So, totally. I would go with Rocket Man. So, Space Oddity would just like not be my David Bowie song of choice. For me, it would be like Starman, probably. Or it'd be Life on Mars, but Space Oddity is actually like lower in the stack for me. So I probably would go with Rocket Man out of those two. I also want to throw out here though, and I'm kind of feeling like we need to create a Celestial Citizen space playlist on Spotify. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe we I'm should do that. There's not one. Yeah, yeah, we should probably do yeah. this. But I would actually go with Space Song by Beach House. So that's like. Oh, what you know about Beach House? Oh, I know a lot <laughs> about <laughs> Beach House. I know a lot about Beach House. Beach House might be like my one of my favorite bands. So yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's got the vibe, right? Like it's got that like spacey kind of like haunting kind of vibe. So I feel like that mm-hmm. would be the song. But anyway. I just like to shout out Prodigy. The Prodigy have a song, Outer Space, <sighs> which is a great space song. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. going to check this out. Meckley, I need to get you like involved on this Celestial Citizen endeavor. Yeah. Ooh, endeavor. Oh, yeah. I'll, sh- I'll be shooting you tracks. Do you ever sometimes like sit there and think about like how many times you inadvertently insert like a space phrase or word without even thinking about it? Like endeavor. There's so many space puns that you can go with in life but you know I don't know anyway side note but sometimes I think about this I'm like wow it's really just like so present in my language okay next question if you had to choose between wearing a spacesuit made entirely out of duct tape or a spacesuit made entirely out of aluminum foil which would you pick and why I'd probably go with the aluminum foil because I'm thinking like where would I be wearing this spacesuit mm-hmm. actually uh 
wore a space suit to a shout out to my partner Queen. Um, I wore a space suit to a festival on New Year's Day, which was really we had matching space. Oh, suits. cool! So that was wow. pretty cool. So yeah, if I'm going to a party, mm-hmm. yeah, duct tape would just feel uncomfortable. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, I'm like, what is the process of taking that off? That sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I'm with you. Although, like aluminum foil, it's like, I mean, it feels like you get like a tiny little moon rock hits you, and it's like, whew, lights out. You know, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe duct tape's better. Although, I mean, for all mankind fans, don't want to spoil anything. But duct tape obviously wasn't a great choice. Oh, <laughs> I was say I thought duct tape saves the day. <laughs> well, I mean, tape, okay, yeah. depends on how you look at it. Like, yeah, it did save the day, but also to be fair, aluminum foil probably wouldn't have been any better in that situation. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, if you could bring only one book with you on a long space journey, would you choose The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or The Martian? Well, I've read Hitchhiker's Guide, hashtag don't panic, but uh, never read The Martian. Wild. I have read The Martian and I have not read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is so strange, I admit. If we're on the space mission together, we could each bring the book that we didn't read. Yeah, and then we have a library of two. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So amazing. Interesting question, ChatGPT, I will say, because I mean, like personally, I'd be like, "Mm, what about contact? Or like, I don't know, there's some others or there's like some other, you know, great science fiction as well. So I don't know that those would be like the two. But yeah, I don't know. Who who knows? Who knows? The Martian was pretty funny. I'll say, do you bring a book that you didn't read so you could have that experience for the first time or something that, you know, risky, read a couple of times. Risky, right? Because what if it's terrible? And you're like, oh my God, exactly. I really messed this one up. I brought this book. And then you'd be like mad about your decision. That could have some psychological impacts. I think I'd go with like a tried and true personally, but. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's why mine would be Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Okay. This is, wow, this is a weird one. If you had to choose between spending a month on the International Space Station with a robot companion or spending a month on the moon with a talking dog, which would you pick and why? Wow. That's a strange question, ChatGBT. Yeah, that is a strange question. What are you trying to say, robot? (laughs) Um, probably go with the dog on the moon because, like, yeah, it's it's a living thing. I don't well, like, is like, it though? They say a talking dog, but they don't specify. Like, is it a robotic dog? Or I guess we should. I guess we'll assume. I would pick the talking dog if it's like just for the novelty of it, right? That's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's kind of a strange question. The robot companion freaks me out a little bit just because when has that ever gone right in in a hollywood film exactly yeah. it could turn on you like ex machina yeah um, yeah shout out to cosmo the talking dog from guardians of the galaxy comic oh oh okay all right uh, yeah fucking space maybe dog, that's yeah. where this question came from maybe it was like inspired by that yeah i think uh the cosmo is going to be in the third installment of the oh, movie cool. that comes out this summer shameless plug shout out to marvel nice yeah, and Marvel. Like, I don't know if you want to like sponsor this podcast. That'd be yeah, cool. That's that, that's <laughs> definitely what the shout out was for. Marvel, if you're listening, yeah, oh, that'd be great. Like, you know, we can talk. Okay, that's yeah, that's an interesting one. Okay, here's another strange one. If you could only bring one type of plant with you on a long space journey, would you choose a bonsai tree or a Venus flytrap? 
Yo, maybe if Venus flies, I'm to see what happens. Like, if it, like, gave, you know, if it just, like, mutated and, like, oh my God. started talking or something. No, I would yeah. be, like, worried. I'd be like, that thing is going to mutate and eat me. So, I don't know. I mean, that would take a lot. But, like, the fly trap would freak me out. In general, that's a shady plant. You know what I mean? It like is. that's like <laughs> like I'm not trying to mess with a Venus flytrap. Also, then like what are the what are the logistics? Are you bringing flies up there as bait? Like that feels savage. You know what I mean? Like here are these poor flies. They come up. They think they got this free ride to space, and then it's like bam, there's the flytrap. So I don't know that one. Yeah. I'm not sure I can get behind. But the bonsai tree is like very interesting because that's like a very meditative experience of like trimming mm-hmm. a bonsai tree. However aren't bonsai trees like really fragile? Like you have to be like, you have to really take good care of them. So it would concern me like if that bonsai tree dies, that's sad for everyone. Like that's definitely like tough on morale for sure. Yeah. But now I'm thinking about the Venus flytrap though, because you also have, you you do have to feed it. And then then it becomes survival mode between you and the Venus flytrap. And that's why it might eat you. Because if you don't have anything to feed it, then it's just you you and the flytrap. Yeah. I mean, that's rough. Yeah. I don't know. All right. If you could, oh, this is, <laughs> oh, this is kind of funny. If you could choose between taking a selfie with an alien or with Buzz Aldrin, who would you pick and why? Definitely an alien. Yeah. I'm like, I've definitely photobombed the picture like my homegirl was taking Buzz Aldrin. So like I was like in the background. You're like so been there, done that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alien selfie. Yeah. yeah. You could like sell yeah. that. Yeah. That's so but like, yeah, I mean, also, is an alien going to be annoyed by like being asked to take a selfie? I don't know. Like what are the, you know, what are the dynamics? Buzz Aldrin will. Buzz Aldrin will definitely be annoyed <laughs> if you ask him to take a selfie. Yeah. A lot of people ask him. Yeah. <laughs> He's a legend, though, which which makes sense why a lot of people ask. Yeah. Him. Oh boy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess it's like either party is going to be annoyed there. But yeah, I agree. I'd go with the alien. That sounds awesome. Can't pass up that opportunity. Okay, this is a weird one. If you could, only, I feel like I'm saying that about all of them. The further we go down the list, I'm like, <laughs> this is getting even more like deep cut. That's Chat GPT. Yeah, I know. That's how it goes. It yeah, is. Yeah. It's like you never know what you're going to get. Unintended. All right. If you could only communicate. With your fellow astronauts on a space mission by singing show tunes, would you choose to sing songs from Hamilton or Wicked? Never seen Wicked. And I heard that's like something that you gotta see. I've never seen it either, but I have heard some of the songs. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. um, I feel like Hamilton, hands down though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, although Uh, like you have to be pretty talented to sing the Hamilton songs. Like I don't think those are like easy. So actually, you could probably really annoy your fellow astronauts if they're like, oh my God, this is not, this is terrible. Please stop. But yeah, I'd probably go with Hamilton. Oh, this is gross. If you had to choose between drinking recycled urine or recycled sweat on a long space journey, which would you pick? I'd go with sweat. Like, yeah. <laughs> urine sounds gross. Yeah. Go, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd definitely go with sweat. Yeah. But which one's more nutritious though? I don't know. I... I don't know. Does it matter? I guess, yeah. I mean, like, I'll do what it takes to survive. But, yeah, I think, like, sweat is probably, like, kind of salty. I don't know. Or maybe it's, like, it's desalinated, right? So maybe not. Ugh, this is gross. I don't even want to talk about this anymore. Nasty. All right. (laughs) Next. Yeah. All right, last one here. If you could only watch one movie on a space mission, would you choose Gravity or Interstellar? Oh, yeah. That was, like, a hope. Chat GPT knows enough to actually make Interstellar one of the choices. Yeah. Interstellar easily. Yeah. You know why? Because it's a movie about love. 
that was the main theme of Interstellar. That's all you need. That's Such true. A good movie. Yeah. That would, that would That's be. true. It really is about love. You know, and the other thing is, is like, yeah, gravity would be so depressing to watch it. Like, I would be like, it would give me anxiety if I were on a space yeah. mission. So, like, whereas like Interstellar, I'm like, you know, even in like terrible outcomes, right? Like things kind of still worked out. So I feel like, yeah, Interstellar, a little bit more optimistic, definitely on board with that one. It would be weird in general, though, to, like, be in space watching a movie about space. You know, would you just sit there and be like, that's nothing like it? You know what I mean? Like, wow, this is not authentic. Someday soon, people are probably going to be watching space movies in space. So For sure. Yeah. Super meta. Yeah, really meta. I love that movie in the cell, by the way. That's, like, a top 10 for me. Oh, Go yeah, to. for sure. No, it's, yeah. like, definitely, like, inspired me to in the space industry, as silly as that sounds. I Like, I love that movie, and it totally was – just very eye-opening. It changed me on some kind of level. Gravity, though, did not. I did not like gravity. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, McLee, I think that brings us to a close here on our conversation for this week. I am so appreciative that you joined as a co-host. We're definitely going to have you back. This was awesome, and I loved talking about all the space headlines with you. And, of course, running down some very interesting chat GPT questions. So thanks for your time today. Yes, thanks for having me, Brett. You are the queen of space podcasts. I love (laughs) it. And I will love to be back. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So, folks, that's a wrap on this week. And as a reminder, if you want to check out our original features, head to our website, www.continuum-hq.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at continuum.hq and Twitter at continuum underscore HQ. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast by subscribing to the paid version of our Substack newsletter so you can stay up to date with everything that's going on in space. Tune in two weeks from now to keep up to date with all the cool stuff going on in that big, beautiful cosmos we're all floating around in. This is Continuum, one giant leap every other week.